when I've talked privately with anybody involved with ownership, well, let's just say, anytime I've talked to Robert or Jonathan in my time covering this team and I bring up the notion that they are tightwads, they flip. They're so angry about the notion that they underspend or tell anybody to not spend. So are so, they angry now? Because they, they've heard that the last two years, right? Like 2021, oh yeah. they're, set, they're set a record. Perpetually angry. Okay. Perpetually angry about that. Patsy Deferrance is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. All right. So as you might have heard, the Buffalo Bills coming into Foxborough on Sunday. As you might have heard or read, Buffalo Bills are slated as eight and a half point favorites, a number that has come down since the beginning of the week to where we sit now, midday Thursday. And if that holds, come Sunday at one o'clock, the Bills will be the largest favorite to ever walk into Gillette Stadium. In light of that, I gotta be honest, I said to myself, as we prepare to do our typical preview episode, when the Patriots have the ball, when their opponents have the ball, three keys, two matchups, one wild card, I said, we probably shouldn't spend a ton of time on this game. Because as we detailed last episode, what this season is about is no longer the week-to-week drama of the NFL, the in-game adjustments and strategies. This season for the Patriots, who are one in five, is about the future and how things are going to change for the Patriots very dramatically, starting in January, February, marching for agency, April in the draft, as they try to rebuild and renovate. And so the next two weeks, as you look at just strictly the games, again, big underdogs against the Bills, Bigger underdogs, most likely, against Miami, where they go next week. And two days after that Miami game is a trade deadline. We've already discussed why I believe I think they should sell. We're going to have more fake trades coming up next week and ways they can do this. But as we watch those games in the next 12 days or so, what really matters is not going to be on the field. What matters most are conversations behind closed doors between two men, Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick. And so we're going to bring you everything you want to know about Sunday. And why the Patriots actually might beat the Bills. And even if they do, hooray. You're probably still headed for a loss in Miami. Two and six, not that different from one and seven. But the conversations between Bill and Robert could dramatically change the course of this franchise. Again, starting in January, February, March. Because do they sell off at the trade deadline? Does Bill want to stick around? Does he want to execute that vision? What is Robert's vision for this franchise as it pertains to the future? And how quickly does he want to get there? Or does he want to salvage the season and try to play this out in a way that I think every fiber of Bill Belichick's being wants to do? Because as we detailed and said before, that man, even at 71, will sacrifice everything at the altar of winning. But will Robert let him do that? So as far as those, conversa- as far as those conversations go, there's no one I would rather talk to and frankly trust more with his guests over mine because you don't know what they're talking about. I don't know what they're going to decide on. Tommy Kern of NBC Sports Boston, a man who's been covering the Patriots longer than Bill Belichick has been the head coach and is very familiar with the Kraft's thinking, is going to come on very shortly and bring you his insights into everything I just talked about and what could come next as it pertains to next week, the week after that, and next season, a little bit of Mac talk. And we'll find out together what Tommy has to say. Because that's, again, what this season is about. And we're still going to get into the games. We're here for the football. I want good football just just as much as you do. Okay? I just don't know if it's going to come the next two weeks. So we'll go behind closed doors in a minute, find out what those conversations might be like, and see where things are headed because, uh, obviously, it's not too great on the field. Buffalo, very quickly. Again, we'll run through this preview and get to Tommy Kern. The Bills are 4-2. and two. Their last four games, a 14-9 win over the Giants on Sunday Night Football. Before that, lost 
to Jacksonville in London, 25 to 20. The week before that, stole the belt from the Dolphins as the NFL's best team with a 48 to 20 win in Orchard Park. And the week before that, week three, spanked Washington 37 to three. Offensively, yeah, it's ugly. 29th overall by DBOA, 30th in passing, 23rd in rushing despite two rushing touchdowns against Vegas last weekend. Defensively, the Bills, like I mentioned, top 10, sixth overall by DVOA, eighth against the pass, and 12th versus the run. So if you want to bottom line it right away, this is, again, a massive mismatch up front. Patriots offensive line, worst performing in the league, allowing more pressure than just about anybody. And the Bills, (laughs) coincidentally, have the NFL's best pass rush. That's according to Mac Jones. Bill Belichick and yours truly, now that I've watched a little bit of Buffalo film, it's deep with edge rushers. Uh, it's deep with interior pocket pushers. Belichick called Ed Oliver, former top 10 pick at Houston, as good as anybody they will see the rest of the season at providing an interior push. So, yes, things could get ugly. I expect them to. But if we get a surprise on Sunday, here's why. Okay. And I'm talking about the Patriots moving the ball, not scoring more than 20 points, but just, you know, something similar to the Vegas game. For starters, the Bills have the worst interior run defense in the league. 5.7 yards per carry for their opponents when they just hand it off and go right up the middle. Okay? If Michael Wenham comes back, and I realize (laughs) if the silver lining starts with me suggesting a right guard is going to kind of shift this game, okay, in a way that no right guard ever does. But he was their best run blocker last year at full health, should be their best run blocker moving forward next to David Andrews. That should be a match of advantage for the Patriots. Mind you, yes, Ramondre Stevenson is averaging just three yards per carry. Ezekiel Elliott is only at 3.9. And they're both under 250 yards for the season. But more than that, where you could just kill clock in a way that you're going to have to if you're the Patriots, you can also get Stevenson into space. Because the Bills, and I have no idea why this is, but this has always been true since Sean McDermott took over. Even the best of those defenses, they stink in September and October and parts of November, at tackling, okay? They are a bottom five team at tackling according to pro football focus. They have missed the sixth most tackles in the NFL, according to pro football reference. Part of that's a volume thing. You, you know, play more defense because you're off in scores, yada, yada. But anyway, the point stands. The Patriots need to do everything they can, as I suggested in the column this week, to get Stevenson and Kendrick Bourne and Demario Douglas, who's back from a concussion, into space and just hope and cross your fingers at the Bills linebackers and defensive backs whiff because that's what they do. And that's really it. Interior running is going to be a huge key for the Patriots in this game, getting guys out into space. And one of those players might actually be the quarterback. And I'm not talking about Mac Jones because nobody wants to see that. What I'm talking about is Malik Cunningham. And he only played six snaps against the Raiders. I have zero expectations for someone who's been on a practice squad most of the year, went undrafted, and has been splitting his time between a brand new position of receiver and quarterback. But he continues to play both in practice. Okay, And when you look at the Bills' defense, they have not faced any option runs this year, according to Pro uh, Sports Info Solutions. They have not even faced a zone read where the quarterback kept it or any quarterback draw, anything. So when you get him out on the edge, Okay, on his own read, and he keeps it. That's a guy who can make a man miss in space. What do the Bills like to do in space? They like to miss. And if he hands it off, that's another double team with Trent Brown, you know, who's intentionally not blocking the defensive end or outside linebacker on the end of the line of scrimmage because he's being read in this option concept. And that allows you to, again, attack the middle of that Bills defense up the middle. And I understand what matters most is the Patriots having to pass 
being overwhelmed by the league's best pass rush and their offensive line sticks and the receivers still can't separate and the Bills play more man coverage against them than anybody because of that fact. I expect it to get ugly, but if it doesn't, now you know why. Interior running, a little bit of Malik Cunningham, who I expect to play at least more than double the snaps we saw against Las Vegas and getting guys in space where I think this should be a kitchen sink game. I mean, just, just F it. Like reverses, double reverses, give me some wildcat. I would love a fleet flicker. Statue of Liberty should be on the table. There's no reason not to throw the kitchen sink at Buffalo, especially a team that struggles to defend in space. Okay, other side of the ball. When the Bills had the ball, offensively by DBOA, they are third in passing. They are 12th in rushing. Patriots, 14th overall on defense, 23rd versus the pass, and eighth versus the run. Josh Allen still doing Josh Allen things, completing more than 71% of his passes, 1,576 yards, 13 touchdowns, and six picks, and of course, six games. It is his highest interception rate since his rookie year, but his turnover-worthy play percentage, again, how often are you risking just giving the ball away? That, of course, is courtesy of Pro Football Focus is about the same in recent years. The interception rate has jumped because he threw three in the opener, all to Jordan Whitehead, and they lost to the Jets, and that was bad. But since then, he's only had three interceptions in the last four games, and he's only taken two sacks in that stretch. So he is not holding the ball out like the Patriots were able to get a forced fumble uh, last year and the last time the Bills were against Gillette. He's also rushing much less, and that was another point of emphasis to not risk his health in addition to the ball, and it seems to be going okay. But it's not going okay. Is anyone trying to stop Stefan Dix? Again, six games. In five of them, he has over 100 yards receiving. On the season, 49 catches, 620 yards, five touchdowns. And he is going to reunite with one of his favorite defensive backs in the league, I have to assume, J.C. Jackson. Because in all of their years, locking horns as divisional opponents, Diggs roasted J.C. And given the injuries that still linger in the secondary, Jonathan Jones missed practice on Wednesday, the Patriots' best bet is still one of the best bets for Stephon Diggs to face one-on-one. And I don't have any great solutions for Stephon Diggs, but when you look at their other receivers, even Gabe Davis doesn't have half the number of catches that Diggs does. This is the Stephon Diggs show, and then a check down if Josh Allen needs it or finds Gabe Davis maybe on a fade or a deep ball, but that's really it. Uh, up front, I mentioned they fortify their offensive line. Top 10 in a lot of key metrics. You're looking at short yardage, the stuff rate, um, power success, their running backs are creating some yards, but not a ton. They're top 10 in adjusted line yards. Basically, how much space are you creating before the running back needs to create for himself? So this is a good offensive line. And the bottom line for the Patriots is this. They have thrown the kitchen sink at Josh Allen before. Okay, I'm talking zone blitzes, sim pressures, uh, dropping eight, a spy, cover two, three, four, six, eight. Didn't matter. And their injuries are in the worst spot you would hope against Josh Allen because you don't want to blitz Josh Allen. He has a 116 passer rating against the blitz this year. And Josh Uche didn't practice Wednesday. He's got a knee injury. Kieran White has a concussion. I mentioned John Jones with the ankle. So this is going to be on the coaching staff devising ways to attack Buffalo's protections more than most games. They have to get through to Josh Allen because winning one-on-one is not really going to be an option when your outside linebackers are probably going to be Anthony Jennings and Jelani Tavai. And that leaves opportunities to double guys like Dietrich Wise, who don't command a lot of double teams normally. It might not even on Sunday. So whatever edge the coaches, Gerard Mayo, Steve Belichick, Bill Belichick can provide, they need to do it. This is a kitchen sink game, not only on offense, uh, but on defense too. All right, 
We hit some of these already. Three keys, two matchups, one wild card, and we'll get out of here. Three keys. Double Stefan Dix. I, I, <laughs> I don't care. You can play nine on ten and have a better shot in this game than any other game because Stefan Diggs demands and deserves that much attention. And you don't have anyone, even your best current cornerback, J.C. Jackson, who can handle him one-on-one. And at least you were able to do it against Devontae Adams and the Raiders last week, where they didn't, they didn't pay Devontae actually that much attention, but you took him out of the game anyway. And you just have to roll the dice in that regard. It's not just zone coverage, but pay extra attention to Diggs and force Allen to go elsewhere. Uh, attack the linebackers on offense. Again, you know, Terrell Bernard, second-year player, former third-round pick, not been great in coverage. I think he's susceptible to some interior runs like we just discussed, some downfield RPOs, which have somehow just gone out the window. Um, and the last thing is you need an early lead. Like, we could talk about turnover margin. Josh Allen needs two, I think, for the Patriots to hang in this. But more than anything, you cannot be down by 10 or more at halftime. And that is just the place the Patriots have found themselves in week in and week out. Besides that, two matchups. I already mentioned him, Ed Oliver. Uh, four sacks, doesn't capture all the havoc he's creating in the interior. David Andrews needs to be better against that tackle-tackle stunt, which if you follow me on Twitter, it, it was the same stunt that the Raiders used to get to Mac Jones for their first sack as it was the last sack that ended the game with a safety. You better believe Buffalo is installing that or repping it in practice this week and coming after them with a much better pair of defense tackles to get after Mac Jones. The Patriots need to block that up and give Ed Oliver not quite the same amount of attention as Stefan Diggs, uh, but something close to it. Second matchup, Kyle Duggar versus Josh Allen. Kyle Duggar, it appears, is at fault on the touchdown that Jimmy G threw to Jacoby Myers. You drop eight, you don't have a single high safety, and that's a problem because he's the guy who's been doing a lot of the communicating in that center field spot as a single high uh, player when they're in cover one or cover three, and you just can't have those breakdowns anymore. And on passing down, this will partly fall on Jalen Mills because he's been doing that when they go to dime packages. But I look at Kyle Duggar and say, not only do you need to communicate well, you need to get a turnover here. Like that's the last step for him. I thought he took it last year as far as his playmaking. If he wants to be paid like he intends to be paid as a top 10, top 12 safety in this entire league, that has to start for him Sunday. It's either an interception of Josh Allen or it's coming in to force a fumble off a blitz because he's a good blitzer. Either way, his head-to-head matchup with Allen is huge for the Patriots. Again, if they're not going to be able to get to him with four, confuse him, some sim pressure, if he's blitzing, whatever it might be, Duggar needs to win that matchup. Wild card. Uh, This has nothing to do with the game. This has nothing to do with Sunday. This comes down to Saturday. Mike Vrabel, Dante Scarnecchia, going to the Patriots Hall of Fame. There's going to be induction speeches, a lot of nostalgia. The Titans are off this week, which is why Vrabel can come on up. Um, I'm sure everyone's getting into their nostalgia bag as it is. Again, it's one in five. No one wants to hang out in the present, so why not duck into the past? Vrabel is a great storyteller. This speech is going to be phenomenal. And there are plenty of Mike Vrabel stories that are flying around, will fly around. I would just say, if you have a second to tune into their social media or check Patriots.com or anything, like it is going to be worth your time this weekend in a way that uh, let's just say the fourth quarter of Sunday's game might not be. Uh, as for that game, again, the Bills are more vulnerable than I think Patriots fans would give them credit for, partly because, you know, you and I are, are wrapped up in this team and how just pitiful it's been offensively and all their problems and yada, yada. But they only scored 14 points against the Giants, who might be one of three teams worse than the Patriots right now. They lost to the Jags the week before that. 
if Josh Allen has a bad game, that game can get real bad fast. And I think for whatever this worth is a guy who picked them to beat the Saints, I think the Patriots hang around for at least a half. I think this is ugly. I think it's close. I think they get to run the ball up the middle as we detailed, but the talent wins out and the Bills pull away. And I think this is something like 27 to 12 Buffalo. So uh, that was a lot more on the game than I expected to give you. So without any further delay, here comes Tommy Kern on Bill Belichick, Robert Kraft, and what comes next after Pat Bills on Sunday. We snap into NFL action this season with America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200. That's two zero zero in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, you hear me make these ad reads. And hopefully don't fast forward. Get your money and get into the action right now. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders. I hit the under for Patriots Dolphins. I just had the wrong team winning. Uh, and lots more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. $200 in bonus bets with just your first $5 bet. Must be 21 year older and present Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit is required. Bonus is issued as a non withdrawable bonus bet that expires seven days after receipt. Restrictions to apply. Please see terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline MA.org or call 800 327 5050 for 24 7 support. Play it smart from the start. Game sense MA.com or call 1 800 GAM 1234. So, on the predecessor to this podcast, the now defunct New England No Huddle, I once introduced a guest, a friend of mine, Tommy Kearns, Bob Sosi, the voice of the Patriots, using two words. I said, no foreplay, because I wanted to get straight into it with Bob Sosi among the uh, kindest, gentlest, straightforward men that you will know. And we don't want to waste any time here with Tommy Kearns tackling big picture topics. I said in the open, few people, if any, I would rather speak with about Robert Kraft, Bill Belichick, getting in a room behind closed doors and having conversations that as far as I know, we just have to guess about. And when you think about the next two weeks, you've written about this, you've talked about it. Like, it's not about the football at this point before the trade deadline. It's what do those conversations sound like? So what do you think? I think one thing, and and I've spoken to some folks around the building, it is an unprecedented mood at Gillette Stadium right now. And that is compounded by what's going on in the world right now. The Crafts obviously have an immense interest stake and love for Israel and all that's going on there is impacting them greatly. Additionally, the team isn't performing well. So it is a very hard time for ownership. It's a very hard time in the building, especially when you get to the football, which is what's germane to this. The questions to me that are going to be posed are going to be extremely uncomfortable for Bill Belichick to answer. Phil and I just finished a podcast a moment ago and when you really interrogate the decision that Bill Belichick made last week at the quarterback position to have Malik Cunningham as the backup quarterback, he's never thrown an NFL pass. And Mac Jones got hurt and he has been hurt in the past and he could have gotten hurt behind that offensive line. And you're going to spend the next three quarters or four quarters with Malik Cunningham as your only answer at quarterback, unless he gets ejected or injured. These are the things that Robert Kraft, they're not going to escape his attention. Robert Kraft has mentioned publicly and privately the draft decisions. He has mentioned that you can't spend in free agency the way the Patriots did. And now he has seen those free agents that the Patriots brought in go out with little return from Johnny Smith or Nelson Aguilar. He sees what Jacoby Myers is doing. 
they see everything we see, yet they have a stake. And you know what else they're going to see, Andrew? They're going to see Sunday afternoon, way too many empty seats. And the seats that are filled are going to have disgruntled fans in them. So the conversations, in my experience, I think Bill has a detachment, a willing detachment from what the outside noise is. But the outside noise has been accurate over the past five years. And he ignores it at his own peril, I think, because Robert Kraft does not ignore the outside noise. It's a great point, and I think you might even see more Bills fans than disgruntled Patriots fans, the way they're going to yeah. travel. The largest favorite, I said in the open, to come into Gillette Stadium, as they're currently tracking, ever, since 2002. And, I mean, that speaks to a lot of things. But let's say it plays out like Vegas thinks it will. The Bills win. The Bills win handily. They go to Miami. That's going to be a double-digit spread. And the Patriots are at 1-7. and seven. There's going to be about 48 hours from the end of that game in Miami until the NFL's trade deadline. It's Halloween, 4 o'clock. It's going to be on a Tuesday. I would think that they've had the conversations about how to handle that trade deadline well before that 48-hour window, or at least prepared in a way. How much do you think of those decisions, or how many of those decisions have been made? Are they aligned? Has that even been raised on Robert's side yet to Bill? Robert does give an unbelievable amount of leeway to Bill, autonomy to Bill in football matters. Um, what's interesting is whether that autonomy is going to be pulled back. We absolutely saw the autonomy of Robert, of, excuse me, of Bill being pulled back with the decision to hire Bill O'Brien. That was a Robert Kraft decision. It was a Robert Kraft edict to an extent. Um, I think Bill thought that he might be heading in the right direction with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, believe it or not. I heard the same. Okay. So Robert Kraft, Robert Kraft wanted Bill O'Brien here and being that Bill was comfortable with him, that was an easy fix. Same thing with Gerard Mayo. Robert Kraft wanted him here. He wanted that release out. So the autonomy of Bill in his staff has been pulled back. Now, the autonomy of Bill with his roster has been tremendous. I don't think that Robert is somebody who meddles in the spending. No matter what you hear from two to six, no matter what has oh. infiltrated the beliefs of people that the lighthouse or the scoreboard is impacting what they're signing for players. I don't believe that to be the case. I think Bill has a budget. I think he's told to spend to the cap by the rules, et cetera. Coaching staff, Bill, do your thing. And they're so, when I've talked privately with anybody involved with ownership, well, let's just say, anytime I've talked to Robert or Jonathan in my time covering this team and I bring up the notion that they are tightwads, they flip. They're so angry about the notion that they underspend or tell anybody to not spend. So, so are they angry now? Because they, they've heard that the last two years, right? Like 2021, oh yeah. set, set a record. Perpetually angry. Okay. Perpetually angry about that um, trope, narrative, whatever you want to call it. So fast forward to the trade deadline. Does Bill... We see that there's been a report that there's no progress made with Josh Uche. Okay, I get that. Maybe you don't think he's going to be a fit for you, might have value someplace else. Would he be a tradable guy? Perhaps. What's the progress with Duggar? What's the progress with, with Unwenu? What's the progress with... There's another guy I'm forgetting. Uche, Unwenu, Duggar. There's somebody else. That might be the only three. Um, but what? where are they? And does 
Bill want any of those players here? Where's that negotiation? Does Bill want to trade those? Does Robert say, those are core players, Bill. Who's our core if you let those guys go? Who's our core? Is it Devontae Parker? Hunter Henry's up. You don't like Mac. David Andrews is at the end of his career. Is it Dietrich Wise? Is it Matt Judon? What's our core? You need to have eight to 10 guys. Is it Brendan Schooler? So it might be, <laughs> I know, which is fine. And Matt Slater's going to retire. So I think that these are places with the trade deadline approaches, you might see um, a five foot seven guy in your doorway if you're Bill Belichick more routinely than you would have otherwise and saying, what's the plan? Because Robert also has to interrogate do I want Bill to be in charge of this team in 2024, making decisions that are going to impact our draft? Is he going to be running the draft? in 2024. Can you have those conversations with him or do you go to Matt Groh and have these conversations because it's too prickly for Bill to deal with and he's trying to get ready for a team? I'm rambling here and I don't know if I'm adequately answering your question, but well, I think that that's the landscape that that Robert and Bill are, are in right now, kind of looking at each other warily and both understanding one guy's losing his patience with me and the other guy saying, what is this guy doing with my team? Let's stay there for a second. I do want to get to the 2024 planning because, again, you're one in seven. There, there's no argument what should be done or what the next steps are or where you are as a roster. There's zero. Like, it's it's in the standings you are where your record says you are. But do you think um, as far as Bill goes, you know, you mentioned being detached from the outside noise. As insulated as he's become the last few years, do you think any part of him looks at this in a way that says, hey, we were a possession away from beating Philly. We were a possession away from beating Miami. We still beat the Jets. Then we lost our two best players in Dallas. And Mac, a guy that Robert loves, fell apart against the Saints, and we should have beaten Vegas. And it's the schedule and it's bad luck. Do you think oh, he tries to talk his way like that? One million percent. I do wow. believe Bill Belichick is, as much as I think he can confront reality and needs to approach things with humility, is which Rick Spielman said about generally when a team is failing. I think that Bill is the guy who leaves the golf course with a 90 and says, I think it could have been a 78. So I, you know, I, what is it? What does he say that to 26 and 31 since, since Brady left, which well, we had to have, he says we had to have a reset. Mm -hmm. Okay. We had a 2020 reset and we were on the right track. And, and then, you know, they wanted to hire Josh and, you know, as, as you can look, Robert, We've lost Flores. We lost this guy. We lost that guy. We lost Dante. And I couldn't continue to do that. And what am I going to do? I'm not going to pry Bill O'Brien away from Nick. So I went with what I thought. I tried to implement a new offense to make it simpler. You know what? And we just didn't have the time. We didn't mm. have enough time. And we still, Robert, went eight and nine. As stupid as you think it might have been, and as much was as we set it back, as far as everybody's saying out there, we still went eight and nine. We could have beaten Cincinnati. We could have beaten the, the Raiders. We could have won against Miami if we didn't have mistakes early in the game. You know, we could have been a playoff team. And you go into this year, you know, if it wasn't for Mac throwing a pick at the beginning of the game, and we thought we coached that out of him. And if it wasn't for, you know, that, that Miami game. So this, know, is, this is crazy. This, this is insanity. You know what I mean? Like, that's why he's going to get scapegoated. Mac's going to get scapegoated. Okay, so you guys have heard me talk a fair amount about betting on this podcast, giving you some advice, told you where to make those bets. So I got a quick question for you. What if there was an app that used AI and machine learning 
to suggest smart sports bets. Well, good news, and you might have guessed it, there is. And that app is called Odds Are. It's the mobile app you need to know what bets of the day are the smart ones. So just download the app right now. I'm serious. And sign up for an account. And just let the latest data analysis guide you through today's point spreads, money lines, and over-unders. If you see green, that's a smart bet. If you see yellow, you're on your own. And if you see red, just don't do it. Move on to the next. Because Odds Are doesn't take your bets. It makes you better at making them. With Odds Are on your mobile phone, you're always a tap away from making a smart play every day. It's smart betting made simple. So find the Odds Are app in the App Store or on Google Play and get a two-week free trial. It's just 10 bucks a month after that because the casinos and sportsbooks want you to bet, but Odds Are wants you to win. Go get it. Pats Interference listeners actually get a special deal too. You get your first 30 days of the app free, totally free. If you go to Odds Are, that's O-D-D-S, the letter R, dot com slash Pats to download the app. That's oddsr.com slash P-A-T-S for 30 days of smarter betting. Free! I'd call that a winning bet. Uh, 2024. So when when does Robert fully turn his attention to 2024? Because if you're one and seven and you have a head coach that goes, well, it's not really my fault or we were, it's all circumstantial why we're then 26 and 33 in the last three and a half years. And I have full control over the roster and the team. And it's not good enough. When does he start back channeling and making decisions about we're going to move on to somebody else and they need to drop some candidates? Robert is a back channeler from the word go. When he bought the team, when he was going through the Parcells situation, when he was hiring Bill Belichick, he is never one to shy away from a conversation and gleaning information and opinions from others. He might not always act on those opinions, but he wants to have as many voices that he trusts on topics as he can. What's hard about back channeling for Robert Kraft right now is that all the channels will have Bill Belichick moles in them someplace. So, you know, you can't go to Thomas Dimitrov or Scott Pioli necessarily because they have a loyalty to Bill, even though you're familiar as Robert Kraft with them. Can you go to Matt Groh and say, Matt, shoot me straight here? Well, Matt Groh's got the job because of Bill. Yeah. who grew up with Al, everything ties back to Bill somehow. But if you are Robert Kraft right now, you have to start looking because you start draft planning middle of January, and that's November, December, three months away. And is Bill going to be in charge of the draft planning? I think what you have to do is decide whether you're going to move on or not, and you have to make that decision before the end of the year. Can't wait to see how it goes You know, against whoever they're playing, You know, Miami and the Jets. you got to figure it out now. All right, let's put a percentage on it. We, I, I think we have three options here. If you and I are in agreement, this is probably Belichick's last season. And hey, you know, we could be wrong, but mm-hmm. if we are wrong, it'll it'll happen after this point because the way things are trending now, it's, it's only trending downward and further and in a way that like no coach slash GM uh, should survive. So option A, give me a percent. Robert Kraft fires Bill Belichick at the end of the season. Option B is Belichick resigns on his own without any nudging. And see, there's a mutual parting of the ways. I'll say this before. I would say it's 70% likely that he will be gone. So leave that 30% okay. out there. And I think it will be a mutual parting. I think it'd be a mutual parting. The, the, so that would be the mo- most likely um, way to do it. I would say that would be 60. I would say it would be 30%. No, 28%. 
60, so 88, 28% would be um, Bill Walks Away, and a 12% um, he gets fired. Because okay. Robert always has the opportunity to make it untenable for Bill. Why, just, why did we go from 30 to 28%? <laughs> because I realized I wanted to be in the 20s on that. Okay. Um, I didn't want to be in the teens on the other one. I don't want to be, I don't want to be, never mind. Yeah, no, it, that's not the more interesting part. Just made me laugh. But the more interesting part is that Robert just makes it untenable for Bill. What does that that look like? Because I, I would have flipped those around that Kraft fired mm. Belichick and gets to, you know, be the guy who rides out to the media and the fans after and said, you know, uh, the beast is dead and we're moving on because everyone is pointing fingers at Bill at this point, And he's a guy who always aligns himself with the fans. And the fans right now are against Bill. That would be a tremendous misread by Robert Kraft, I think, if he actually decided to take that, because there will be a silent majority of people who say, are you shitting me? You just fired Bill Belichick. So if you're out there celebrating and you have his head on a spike, you better be ready for the blowback and not just locally, but nationally. The Charles mm. Barkley's, the Boomer Esiason's we've heard from in the last few months who are not watching this closely, the the people I talked to in August when I said they asked me, is Bill Belichick in the hot seat, which should have been readily apparent to everybody by now. And I'd say, yeah, he is. And they go, <gasps> yeah, the national media, the national reaction, it will be on the nightly news. It will be on, you know, it will it will be a component of national news that day, not just sports news. So. People aren't that granular with it. So Robert Kraft's best move will be to as tenderly and gingerly move away from this so it never looks like he went in there, you know, as the Grim Reaper. Yeah, I, I think, too, I, I think the national media are catching up. Like, 38 to 3, followed up by 34 to nothing. There, There's only one way to explain that. It's a bad roster. It's a badly coached team. It's just a bad team. And so I think Bill deserves more equity than he's certainly been given locally, like the greatest 20 year run in history and overseeing mm -hmm. that building and participating in it. But nationally, I think they're starting to come a little ways on that, but I think you're right. I think it would be an error by Kraft to invite that kind of criticism or any kind of feedback, even if, you know, two, three years, we're all going to do the same thing with bill that happened with Tom Brady. Like there was real vitriol locally that he was going to leave. And then not only do that, but play for another team. Oh, and the audacity to win a seventh Super Bowl. Somewhere else, like people, Bill will come back. It'll be open arms, a big ceremony, yada yada. We're just very. And you cannot, you can't forfeit that, Andrew. You cannot yeah. possibly have that go away. You have to make sure that Bill Belichick is comfortable with whatever happens. Because as LBJ said a long time ago, better to have somebody in the tent pissing out than outside the tent pissing in. And Why you're you cannot, here? You can't have Bill pissing in. The LBJ references. Um, that you know what just hit me too is I think, you know, as much as. Robert allowed Bill to make the decision as, as it pertained to Brady. I mean, that was a mutual parting of the ways as we've come to learn since. You know, I mean, Bill made it made perhaps untenable, but that's exactly yeah, perfect. Has, has since expressed that, that summer, like when his Brookline house went up on the market, knew very much then this is my last season. And maybe that things all, changed. Everything was a reaction, though, to that bogus two-year extension they gave him that was a one-year extension. Right. Everything reacted to that. That was the final straw that he didn't get 250 guaranteed he said okay that's it so yeah. my house is going on the market tomorrow oh I really think in a that's way, a good scoop for me 
<laughs> we we could see that as you mentioned with with Robert, you know, like pull some strings very slightly with Bill, make it untenable in a way that I think I'm with you. I would put this well over 50%. I don't have the exact percent uh on a mutual parting of the ways because you know that allows them both to leave with a little bit of dignity, if not grace, and have a press conference at the end. And I want to get to Mac here in a second, but I think the one thing that's being overlooked and was until I, I chatted with Michael Holly, actually, your colleague uh, at NBC Sports Boston on Monday, who just mentioned to me something that I had overlooked, just the respect and understanding and achievement between the two men. Yep. You know, like but Robert won't do the disgrace of a quick statement of just Bill's been fired. Here it is. Like, even if it's for appearances, they'll make that effort in understanding how wealthy Robert's become and the championships and everything that's been to deliver delivered to Foxborough and transformed. Like there's a tiny economy in that town that was absolutely impossible to envision. And it's part because of his planning and investment, but also the execution of the vision that Belichick had uh, for 20 years with this team and roster. And it's un, it's unforeseen. So I think that ultimately wins out. However, this yeah, but, but Bill can be a tough, Bill can be unpredictable. He's proud. He does not like to be big footed by anybody. He's does not going to feel as if, he failed. I guarantee you he's going to look at the record, but he's going to feel that there's differences. And you remember, go ahead and look for the Bill Parcells groceries quote. That was after he was moving on. I believe, no, I might be wrong on that. But it was in front of a Patriots banner when he made that statement. It was the farewell press conference, I think. I, watched I, don't, that know, a couple I don't know if they had a farewell press conference for Bill because it was such a oh. shitty departure. I'd be surprised if it was. I'm, I'm trying to place it. I don't know if he was already no longer the head coach, but if Bill and Robert are not in lockstep, and Robert has and Bill is sitting in front of a mic, and Bill and Robert doesn't know what's going to come out of Bill's mouth, do you want that? Uh, I mean, I do personally. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. But does, does Robert want Bill no, unfettered, no, no. unfiltered Bill? No, no, no. All right, so obviously I don't know if you were at work, you were in school, running errands, or just sitting around thinking about that last Patriots game, but I would bet there are some nights you don't feel like cooking dinner, or maybe even lunch, or maybe even getting up to make breakfast. Well, good news for you, as well as for me, we have Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, which can help you fuel up fast just like me, whether it is breakfast, lunch, or dinner. All of their meals are chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat, delivered straight to your doors. You will save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle through Factor. And that's if you are someone who's looking for extra protein with their Protein Plus meals that have 30 grams of protein or more per serving. Or low-calorie, not a problem. Dietitian approved calorie-smart meals start at 550 calories per serving. Or if you want something fall, who doesn't? You can go with some of their hearty, comforting meals with seasonal vegetables like cranberry pecan chicken or apple Dijon pork chops ready in just two minutes. That's the deal with Factor. It's quick, easy, and healthy. So right now, go to factormeals.com slash Callahan50. That's my last name, the number 50. Use code Callahan50 to get 50% off. That's code Callahan50 and factormeals.com. Don't wait any longer. Factormeals.com slash Callahan50 to get 50% off your first meals. No more cooking, folks. It's right there. Just click. Um, though it's interesting, too, because then you get into a, a lot of discussions. We just hit on back channeling. I mean, Bill has has plenty of those as well with certain national reporters or other people that he would want to get a particular narrative out to about any sort of limitations or why things weren't the way that we all have seen them the last three and a half at that point. 
four years. So mm-hmm. maybe he doesn't have to say them himself. Uh, and is that the one holding the knife at the end? But it's a, uh, it's a very interesting and delicate dynamic. Let's dismount on Mac and then get to your game pick. Um, I see him now as a guy who kind of personifies everything that's gone wrong since 2021, you know, like a guy caught in the middle 2021 mm-hmm. was a good season. He had a great, historically great rookie season in NFL history. Since then, I think he represents Bill's failure to connect with some of the younger players. I think he's a player who does not play well under pressure, like the Patriots had stockpiled since the beginning of the dynasty. And I think you can feel parts of the program crumbling around him that represent Bill's roster building failures for a guy that you knew was pocket bound and didn't have a great arm and you failed to do that. So whether it's through Bill, with Bill, or next to Bill, Everything's gone wrong, and you can kind of see it through the quarterback. What do you see in Mac, or at least interests you about his part in all this? I'm going to piggyback on your observation, then I'll give you mine. I think that's a really astute way of looking at it, as Mac is symbolic of it. I think the position itself, <clears throat> as it pertains to the Patriots, is symbolic of just a rudderlessness. But with Mac, you have a player who doesn't make others better. Yeah. Just and you can talk about the NBA and the best players make other players better. And we don't see that with Mac. We don't see an elevation of Mac in crunch time situations where people necessarily seem to play for him. I don't think they actively dislike him, but they don't play for him. He doesn't elevate guys. He needs them to elevate him mm-hmm. as opposed to the other guy. Um, <laughs> so Where do I see Mac? I see Mac as just, as you said, caught in the wash. But what the hardest thing is, the Patriots have now used a top 20 pick on a quarterback, top 15 pick on a quarterback, who was promising, and they're going to enter year four with him and still not know what they have. They still have a reasonable contract at the most important position in all of professional sports, and they don't know what they have because they rammed the car into the bridge abutment with the personnel decisions elsewhere. That, to me, is malpractice. It's also malpractice to be going into a game, as I mentioned earlier, I think, with Malik Cunningham as your backup quarterback, knowing that he has never thrown a pass in an NFL game and he might be playing. So the way the quarterback position in totality has been mismanaged, to not say, oh, shit, we don't have somebody to back up Mac this year who could actually play. i got to go find somebody. I don't care if it's Phillip Rivers or Matt Ryan. We have to get somebody now. Philip Perry, yeah. Philip Perry, I've, I've played catch with him. He can catch, but he can't throw. <laughs> Very wild. So you have to, to me, look at Mac as being emblematic. And I, he's not the problem, nor is Bill O'Brien the problem. The problem is the roster. The problem is the offensive line. The problem is the offensive line personnel and engagement level. So you still don't know what you have. Now you can say, look, I don't like the cut of his jib. I don't like his face. I don't like his voice. I don't like how he says and stuff. I want him out of here. But you can't say, I know that he can't play NFL quarterback. That's what Bill Belichick cannot say. I know he can't do it. He can say all the other stuff. I don't like him. I don't think he's a good leader. He can do all that shit. But he cannot say, I don't think he's a good NFL quarterback. And the reason for that is he freaking told us in July of 2022. Well, he told us in, in January 2023, his answer was, I think Mac can play quarterback in the sleeks. So. Right, but it, but but the flowers and bouquets that he laid at his feet in July tells us what yeah. 2022, what he really thought of the kid at that point. 
So if he doesn't like him now, the reason he doesn't like him now is he treated him like ass. That's uh, that's not unfair. I I don't think we need more game tape to know what Mac is. Like I've made the career parallel of like, hey, your third season, like Baker Mayfield and being a journeyman is a t- first round pick is one way, and then the other way is Dak Prescott, where you rebound from a rare year or two regression and take off and you're a definitive starter. And he's not either one of those players. I'm not making the scouting report and holding it side by side like a tail of the tape, but it's clearly gone in the Baker Mayfield direction where I, I think he's going to bounce around uh, and is a guy who needs to be kept comfortable and was probably overrated for here. He was taken, but yeah, he can function as a starter. You just need a longer checklist to get there for the places around him than some of the other guys. And that's, you know, just kind of who he was. And you knew at the start when you drafted him. Well, what's interesting too, Andrew, is at some point, some team might end up with Mac Jones as a backup quarterback in their system. And if the starter goes down and they have good enough players out there, Mac Jones is going to be the kind of quarterback that people are going to say, I kind of like the way he plays better than our starter. I guarantee you, he won't be Colt McCoy. He'll be Colt McCoy on steroids if he ends up as a backup. Or Tyler Heineke. Is he still around? Why isn't he playing here? I don't know. Sam Howell Howell kind of took his job. Sam Howell's just like. All right, well, why why isn't Taylor here? Um, is it Jacoby Brissett the backup there? Where the hell is Heineke? I don't know. That made me think of Sam Darnold, though, being the backup in uh, San Fran. So I'll buy you a little bit of time as you look that up. Real, I, I asked for your game pick, but I lied. So I'm going to do this first. Do they sell? Trade deadline comes. Are they selling pieces? They are selling pieces. Okay. They have to sell pieces. Gotcha. They have to. Yeah, how, I, many, I how many they're able to sell and whether or not they're – that will be an interesting thing is if they're not sellers – it's because they didn't get enough in return for the guys they tried to sell. They just said, we're not taking a sixth for Mike and Winnie. Sorry. Uh, Taylor Heineke is with the Falcons. Oh, good. That we saw that. 30 years old. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All right. Taylor Heineke, not playing Sunday. The Bills are against the Patriots. Uh, I said 27 to 12 at the start. What do you got? 30 to 13. And I haven't done an official pick, so anybody who wants to do a compare and contrast between this pick and what I'll have on my preview or the pregame show, bear that in mind. I haven't done full vetting, but we'll see what the injury report holds. But you can't be without Hunter Henry and Trent Brown and perhaps David Andrews or all those guys in disrepair Ooh. and expect more scoring. The Bills will relish an opportunity to cave the Patriots' head in, and they will take it if they get that opportunity. So it's going to be... Eight is not enough for a line. Well, you're in luck. We're going to clip this part for the podcast as the tease with your your game pick. So you cannot deviate in your own preview or or the pregame show. So bummed bum to, bum to deliver you the bad news. But I've got good news. Hunter Henry was back at practice today. Trent Brown was back at practice. There you go. There you go. All right. Tommy Kern, NBC Sports Boston. Watch him. Listen to him. Read him. Thank you, sir. Thanks, buddy. The CLNS Media Network is powered by FanDuel. Sign up at FanDuel.com slash Boston and get in on the action with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. When you place a $5 bet, that's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. 